am Latoya Benson. Xavier Hill was my son. He was murdered by the state police on January the 9th, 2021. He was murdered by DC Metropolitan Thug Police in their custody. He died in their custody and they claim that they don't know what happened. They had they had no business arresting him. This is Life After the Impact, a podcast for impacted families by impacted families. The focus is on what happens after the media, the lawyers, and the activists are gone. Impacted families are left to face uh, the loss of a loved one who police sponsored violence. We will focus on their continued fight for justice and how you can get involved. Just walks away. Watch your police take another life today. Leave a loved one's torn to LFSA. Candle burning. Let me do this play. The rule of state sponsored violence, be it through the slave patrol in the 16, 1700s, be it through the lynch mob in the 17, 1800s, be it through law enforcement is grounded in the history of racism and white supremacy in this country and the disregard for black life. There were a, a whole host of stereotypes that went along with the enslavement of African people and one of the most predominant stereotypes um, and fallacies about black people, black men in particular, is that just by nature and just by biology, black men are a threat, um, are aggressive, are violent, um, and later are criminal. The books, the narratives, the media still portray black people and people of African descent in that same stereotypical and fallacious way. So the same stereotypes that were used to justify our enslavement are the same stereotypes that people are using to judge us and characterize us now, and it's dangerous. Good evening and welcome to Life After Impact. My name is Roxanne Johnson. My son's name is Jamal Burke. He's by DC Metropolitan Police, October the 1st, 2019. I have with me this evening, my co-host Latoya. Latoya, are you there? Hey. Yeah, good evening, you guys. My name is Latoya Benton. I am the mother of Xavier Hill. Xavier was killed by two Virginia State Police officers at the age of 18, January the 9th, 2021. So tonight we have a little bit different of a setup. Um, we were going to have a community, a virtual community discussion. So there you go. As you guys can see, we have other people here with us tonight. I'm gonna just throw it to go on the football. Go to the next guest here who's going to catch the ball and then go ahead and begin to introduce themselves. We'll go around the room first and then we're going to have a popcorn discussion about accountability and justice and what that means. The importance of the conversation, um, everyone on, the, on this podcast tonight is an impacted family member who has been impacted by the police housing, I think, except for Angelo. Um, Angelo is actually an attorney. However, he is a, am, am I right, Angelo, to say that? 
You are correct. Okay. Um, he is an attorney. So we brought on the podcast as well because it's important to not only have members of like ourselves who are speaking out against these injustices, but also to have our attorney friends here to kind of explain to us the legal side and their perspective as to why we have, why are why we're not bridging the gap in the what accountability and justice means to us. So before we get started, we're going to go around the room popcorn style um, with introductions. We're going to start off with Nikki. Good evening, everyone. My name is Nikki Owens, and I am the cousin of William Green. William Green was murdered by a Prince George's County, Maryland police officer on January 27th of 2020. He was handcuffed in the front seat of the police car and he was shot six times. Um, the officer was arrested and we are waiting for his trial now. I'd like to pass it over to Oscar. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Oscar Urbina. I am a uh, 61 year old um, uh, Hispanic uh, male. Um, my kid, uh, uh, Ruben Urbina, on, he was he was only 15 years old in 2017 when he was killed by a Prince William Prince William County police officer here in the state of Virginia. Uh, the guy, the police, the police um, name is uh, his name is Robert Joyce, and um, even um, it's very hard for me to speak um, about the details of this, um, even after almost five years. Um, if um, if anyone need more information, please let me know, and I will um, elaborate on what happened to Ruben. But uh, it's very hard for me to even even after five years to talk about it. I, I miss him terribly every single day. So so I don't know who's next. You tell us who's next. Oh, I don't have. I'm, I'm very new to this Zoom thing. So how can I? How can I? How, how can I know who is next? I mean, I, I see the participants. Okay, so who do you want to pick? Uh, I, I pick. Uh, 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 what's it, Jimmy Hill? Okay. Yeah, yeah that's me. How y'all doing today? Good evening. Hi, I'm Jimmy Hill. Uh, first, I'm going to say God is good. Uh, we have to give God his credit. But I'm Jimmy Hill. I'm the father of Jimmy Atchison. Um, my son, Jimmy Atchison, was shot and killed. He was unarmed at surrender, yet he was shot and killed by farming down a police officer, Son Kim, on the assumption of a bogus armed robbery warrant in which the witness came forward after being interviewed numerous amount of time by, by police and the news, Atlanta News, and stated that there was no gun nor an armed robbery. Um, this case in, in December 20, December uh, 16, uh, uh, 2022, a Fulton County grand jury indicted this officer, Sean Ken, and charged him with felony murder, uh, aggravated assault, and violation of oath. After four years uh, of, of, of overcoming obstacles and hurdles and many challenges, but in the four years we lost my son and mother, Cynthia Edson, uh, we, we laid her to rest May 19th. Uh, she died from a broken heart while in this fight, May 19th of last year. Okay, so now his attorney, after, after he was being indicted, his attorney filed a motion 
to have this case moved to a federal court. So that's where we're in the process now, waiting on the judge decision whether we whether we remain state or whether it be whether it be uh, turned over to federal court. Thank you, Jenny. Um, oh, you got it. okay. Who you want to pick next, Mr. Jimmy, to go next? I'm trying to, I don't even see what a thing, this is my first time doing it like this. Uh, how do I tell who next? You, you don't, who, who do you see participating? Huh? Who do you see on the screen? I'm seeing on my phone, let me see. Uh, I'll be almost around the hung up the phone. I don't see who's next. Uh, Toria, I'll go next. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Marion Gray Hopkins, and I am the mother of Gary Hopkins, who was murdered at the age of 19. He was murdered by two Prince George's County, Maryland police officers, Devin White and Brian Catlett. Um, I am also um, the executive director of the Coalition of Concerned Mothers, along with several other organizations here in, in Maryland, Maryland Coalition for Justice and Police Accountability, Prince George's County People's, Co Co People's Co Coalition. Um, and so Gary attended a dance that night after breaking up a fight between uh, a physical, a verbal altercation, excuse me, between one of his friends and another party goer and the police officer, he was unarmed, the police officer comes, pulls him off the car and the officer who was doing security that night made one fatal gunshot wound to Gary's chest, uh, killing him. So that catapulted me into my social justice and civil liberties work. And again, it was November 27th, 1999. Oh, oh. I pass it on to Uncle Bobby. Oh. Thank you, Marilyn. I am affectionate to the community as Uncle Bobby. I'm the uncle of Oscar Grant, young man killed in Oakland, California on January 1st, 2009. Uh, as a result, of course, of his murder, a movie called Fruitville Station was produced. Um, you know, I'm not going to say a whole lot about it. I, I do want to just say for those that are very brand new, um, there is some wisdom that is on this Zoom meeting tonight. Uh, Marion for being one, of course, Michael Brown, Deanna, Andrew, and myself. We all been at this fight uh, over 10 years or basically at 10 years or more. And so, um, you know, we hope that what we share tonight will help you uh, understand this journey that you're on and how to navigate it to eventually, hopefully, uh, begin the healing process, but also most importantly, to get the justice that you need for the murder of your loved one. And I'll pin it there. I'm gonna pass it to Michael Brown. Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Brown Sr. I'm the father of Michael Brown Jr. that was killed August 9th, 2014. Uh, actually, seven days after we graduated, walking down the street from the store with a friend and was pulled over or stopped walking, being black, by officer. Um, he was in the arm. Um, he was asked to stop. The officer shot him from the car. He took off running and shot him in the middle of the street seven times. And... Sandy, that's what a lot of people remember about Mike Brown laying in the street for four and a half hours. And I continue to uh, for my son, we have a 
a foundation uh, the Michael Brown Senior Chose for Change organization. You can follow us on all the work that we do. Um, it's a life sentence and we still rolling. Um, call on Deanna. Joseph. Good evening, everyone. And um, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be with you tonight. I am Deanna Joseph, the mother of Andrew Joseph III, who was 14 years old when he was killed in Tampa, Florida on February 7, 2014. The particular jurisdiction in, in which we um, sought legal um, ramifications for is the Hillsborough County Sheriff Department, as well as the Florida State Fair, who were both um, entities liable in the death of Andrew when he attended the Florida State Fair on student day on that Friday night, just wanting to spend time with friends um, as 14 year old children do. Uh, he was apprehended and detained unjustly by the Hillsborough County Sheriff Department um, asked to disrobe of his clothing as they were looking for gang identifiers because this was the gang task force working the fair that night at student day. Um, Andrew didn't have any of those gang identifiers that the gang task force was looking for, but that didn't stop them from taking a mugshot photo of him and transporting him in a sheriff paddy wagon and abandoning him on a dark road at night where he was hit and killed on that particular student day. It has been nine years um, of constant um, struggle, trying to um, get closure. We did have a trial on last year where um, we were successful in beating qualified immunity and a trial was uh, granted two whole weeks of um, grueling testimony and I think those who were able to provide court support for us um, because that made all the difference um, in having communities such as yourself with us in that courtroom for those two weeks. Um, needless to say, um, that was September of 2022. However, due to that immunity is repeat insult on families such as ours an appeal was filed by the sheriff department within two weeks of that trial. So we continue to pursue and press on, hoping that one day complete and true justice can be obtained in this lifetime. So I will pass the mic to Mel. No, no, Mel, you're the sound person. Um, Latour Carter? Yep, there you go. Okay. Hi, uh, okay. Uh, so my name is Lauren Tour Carter. I'm getting some feedback. Sorry. Um, my nephew is Tony Robinson. He was shot and killed in March of 2015 in Madison, Wisconsin, by a police officer named Matthew Kinney. He shot him seven times. My nephew was having a mental breakdown, and he was in his home. The officer breached the, the the house and shot my nephew in his house. Um, my mother has been working tirelessly since 2015 to get the officer charged 
she found a law, a 968.02 subdivision three. And this allows the people to do what the DA refuses to do. Uh, and we believe that every state actually possesses this statute that if the DA refuses to do his job, that we can take it out of his hand and pursue ourselves. Turn your volume down a little bit. We can hear like it's hard to hear what you're saying. Maybe is that better? If you got two devices going, turn one of them all the way down or one of them off. See, the other one is is reading is off. I'm gonna work on it, y'all. If you just turn it off, the feedback will stop. If you turn off the second device. All right. And I guess um while she's doing that, we're gonna toss it over to um, attorney um Angelo Pinto. Thank you. So uh, my name is attorney Angelo Pinto. I'm one of the co-founders of a social justice organization called Until Freedom, alongside Tamika Mallory, my son Lennon, and Linda Sarsour. Um, we worked on a number of police murder and police violence cases. Uh, most recently, actually yesterday, we just left Louisville, Kentucky, where we were standing alongside Tamika Palmer, who is the mother of Breonna Taylor where we were, are actually starting a campaign to prevent Daniel Cameron, who was the attorney general, who declined to prosecute the officers involved in the murder of Breonna Taylor, who is now running for governor of the state of Kentucky. Um, so we launched kind of our efforts to stop him from becoming governor. Um, and for us, it's a part of the continuation of the work, even after you try to pursue the officers, the lawsuit and all the other pieces, the work continues as, as all of you folks know, the fight continues. Um, and we were standing um, at the press conference alongside some of the attorneys who are representing Jalen Walker, who was murdered in Akron, Ohio, um, as well as Jacob Blake Sr. So there were many families of victims of police violence and police murder who were there standing in solidarity with Until Freedom and Tamika Palmer, Breonna Taylor's mother, as we kind of mount our efforts to prevent Daniel Cameron from becoming the governor of Louisville, Kentucky. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. So, like, I'm not really sure, but uh, we're going to kind of like watch this for time's sake. Um, so, yeah. To kind of um, get the conversation started, I did want to access all the families. Um, to, um, how many of you all of the officers were indicted and spent any time in jail? If that's the case, raise your hand if they were indicted and spent time in jail. Mm -hmm. That's one person. So, I, mean, I, I mean, I want to say that there was an indictment and there was a trial, but there was no time spent in jail. Well, what so happened? I, I should raise my hand halfway or not or not. Okay. What what happened after the trial? Why was what happened after the jail time? Well, only one of the officers were was was indicted. Um, and that was the one who did the fatal shooting. Unfortunately, the office, the officer that incited the incident um was not in, indicted. I don't know why I didn't have the knowledge that I have now, but he was not he was not indicted. He lied under under oath. Um, the officer that was indicted went the day before, um, well, before the trial, he was going to go with a jury trial. The night before the trial, he went bench trial. He went on uh, judge. So we had seven days of uh, testimony. 
that clearly showed that this officer was guilty. But the judge um, on the day um, of closing ar argument said, I have heard enough. I will be back after lunch with my decision. And his decision was truly based on officers have split seconds to make a decision. And his perception of what he thought he saw, the judge let him go and um, acquitted him on, on all charges. They were supposed to indict the, the officer who incited the incident, who was, by the way, under investigation um, for three different uh, excessive but not deadly forces. Um, lied under oath that the then um, uh, state's attorney was going to charge him for, what do you call it, guys, when you lie under oath? Um, perjury. Perjury, thank you. Never did. I didn't know I had the, I didn't know I could have gone back and, you know, pressed it, pressed the issue. But um, short, long story short, um, you know, he had a, a, a judge that was pro-police and again said that the, his decision was, was primarily based on their, their need to make a, a decision. But again, my son didn't have any drugs in his system. He was unarmed, um, breaking up in, in altercation. So nothing um, Sorry, nothing happened. Nothing happened. He's, he's still on the force. He's making 167000 a year. I've been un, unsuccessful in trying to track down the officer that incited the, the incident. But what I have heard was that he left and went to Florida. So he's probably a police officer somewhere in Florida now. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think we talked about uh, what, nine or ten on this call, right? And I asked that question because if you had uh, what is it? No, I don't know. I, I can't see the bottom of the screen. Anyway, think about that. And you only have the Bobby raised his hand and said the officer wasn't indicted and got any kind of jail time. So the topic of conversation is no. Actually, he was. So if I if I can, very like like um Marion, right? The officer that uh, caused Oscar to be murdered by Johannes Mesley uh, was never indicted. However. Uh, Johannes Mesley was convicted of involuntary manslaughter, even though the jury came back with a involuntary conviction, uh, which gave him the, the minimum term of two years, but also they came back with a, a conviction on the gun enhancement charge, which was an automatic 10 years. So the max he was going to do was 14 years. However, Judge Robert Perry, pro-police also, ex-police himself, uh, threw away the gun enhancement charge, reduced his time down now to two years, and then said because uh, he had already did some time in jail, he gave him two days served for every day in jail, reduced his time down to 11 months. So he only did 11 months. However, I did want to say this to Marion, uh, our Attorney General Rob Bonta has reopened our case for felony murder charges against Tony Peroni, the one that incited and caused Oscar to be murdered. Now, where it goes from here is still uh, a major push on our part. However, uh, a felony murder charge, there's no statute of limitation. So if you got the campaign and support behind you to push the attorney general to file felony murder charges, you know what I'm saying? It could reopen the investigation. Of course, who knows where it's gonna go from there. But I also wanted to say this right before I close, Angelo, we were down, I was down with um, Tyree Nichols' family, and we did shout out Brianna Taylor because their birthday is the same day. So we were split, you know, and, and sadly, this is what's happening now with all these shootings around the country. 
Uh, we cannot seem to unify ourselves because so many are happening all across this country. We're divided and diluted to such a degree that some of the uh, families don't have the support that they need. But anyway, I pin it there. I pin it because I, I can run away with this. I mean, Uncle Bobby, I think that's the idea is to keep us as isolated as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, we already know that we're stronger in numbers and this has been something in the works. I mean, it digresses from what we're talking about really, but I mean, we know the inner workings of what uh, a, a half a millennium of racism has done to this country. Um, and I think a lot of us grossly misjudged um, how the elitists operate with when it comes to us. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think I see Miriam's hand up, and I don't know. I only went up first. Was it Miriam or Nikki? Um, I just wanted to. I just wanted to mention. I know that and this was this was so eerie feeling to me. But Brianna Taylor and Tyree Nichols and my son are all born on the same day, June fifth. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that about Gary. His birthday the same day. Same day. His birthday was yesterday. Wow. Wow. Vicki? Um, I'd just like to say that um, I definitely agree with Latour that that is the purpose of this, but I think we as families need to understand that um, we can't do this alone. So I think that we allow the media sometimes and we allow certain people in the media to exploit our loved ones without understanding that by bringing attention, so much attention to one person, what you're doing is you're making it seem like it's an isolated incident. It's a singular problem um, because the one thing that I've, my cousin was murdered before George Floyd, but he was also murdered the day that Kobe Bryant died. So he didn't get the press. Um, my cousin was not a criminal. There was nothing for them to exploit. I didn't give the police um, enough time to build a narrative. I built the narrative before they could. So I told the I told the news what happened before the police could build a narrative. Um, the officer was arrested within 24 hours. One of the biggest differences that it murdered him was black. He wasn't white. And so people kind of took this as a black on black crime, which it definitely is not. Um, Nikki, what, the year your cousin got killed was what year again? 2020. Now, do, you, do you feel like, you know, uh, and Miriam, yours was in 1999. 99. Do you feel like there's a difference when it comes, you say it comes with support and stuff, right? Um, do you guys feel like, let me say, we have cases like Breonna Taylor? Uh, Mike Brown's on the call, so I know uh, they got the, I, I believe the Oscar Brown on the call as well. So different cases, they have. A so what do you do, or what do you think happens as far as um, it fails with the community? As far as, like some cases get support and some cases do not get support. I think that the people like Al, um, what's his name, Al Sharpton, certain people in the media select people that they feel is going to be a, they're gonna be able to exploit and get themselves out there. I think they use the death of some of our loved ones to 
put themselves out there to make it seem like it's this big support, but it's really just ratings for them. Um, if they really cared, they pick up all the stories. Okay, no. I think they don't care. If they cared, they would pick up all these stories. All these stories would be major, major stories to them. But they all seem to just make it seem like it's, it, it, they're doing it for their own benefit, for their ratings. Um, um, I want you to chime in on that. I want to respond to that because um, you do have an organization. You got your lawyer, right? So, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. When Zay got killed, my automatic response was like, you know, NOACP, ACLU, because I want to hold them accountable, and that's why I'm thinking like, I'm just some of these organizations, right? You're a lawyer. You're a black lawyer. So I'm thinking like, you know, hey, I need to call every black lawyer in my state. They're gonna pick my case up. Why is it that, or what is it that we fall, as far as a lawyer's perspective, why they don't pick the cases up and fight for all the cases? You know, I think this, the more I've learned doing the work over time, the more I realize how much goes into what's taking place. And for instance, when we first found out about Breonna Taylor, this was months after Breonna Taylor was murdered. And the family had been trying to get individuals to work on the case for a long time. And finally, the family's attorneys caught up with Tamika. And they were like, we need your help. We need you to get attention on this case. You say months, three months, six months? About three months had passed. We didn't know about the case. And really, nobody knew about the case. And when we first went down to Louisville, Kentucky, we might have had a couple of events with 40 people there, right? And we actually were leaving Louisville. We were in Louisville for three days and we had to go to Indianapolis for another person who was murdered by police. So also many of the individuals and attorneys who are tapped for these cases, they're tapped all the time. We, yesterday there was a sister who was murdered in Florida. Yeah. I'm sure some of you folks may have heard the case. Um, uh, A.J. Owens. She was murdered in Florida when she went to her neighbor's door because her son had an inter uh, altercation with them. Literally yesterday, while we're with Breonna Taylor, we're getting the calls to go and come to Florida to assist the family. So there is so much violence happening to Black folks at the hands of police and others, and we're still in the fight for Breonna Taylor. <laughs> it isn't over. So not only are you constantly picking up and, and taking on new issues, we were, we're from New York. We were you know, on the ground when Eric Gardner was murdered. I know Nicole Bell, Sean Bell's widow. We were happened to be in Baltimore when Freddie Gray died, was murdered by police, right? And at the time, uh, Pastor Jamal Bryant had a church in Baltimore and let us stay sleep in his church. <laughs> For the night while we you know worked on the freddie gray case so part of what's happening is there's so many cases i'm sure you know folks like uncle bobby could speak to it there's so many cases that are constantly happening that most folks who are doing the work are spread tremendously thin to address these issues and you know the example of brianna taylor in louisville kentucky we're still in the fight and now we know the fight has escalated where we're trying to prevent Daniel Cameron, who was the attorney general who could have prosecuted the officers when, when Brianna was murdered, from now becoming governor. 
because in many ways he's been rewarded for not doing anything. So now the fight continues in that regard, but simultaneously, we're also making the Department of Justice, they opened a pattern and practice investigation into the Louisville Police Department and they have federal charges on four of the officers. So not only do you have to kind of keep your eye and move a case along, which can take 10, 20 years, you have to address the other ways in which the people who oppose you are trying to build power locally, right? So the attorney general is now trying to build power across the state. We know one of the officers who was involved in the murder of Breonna Taylor recently got a new job as a police officer in a, in a county close to Louisville, so, Kentucky. So the fight just goes on and goes on. So it's complex. I'll just end with that. It's very complex. And I think the ways in people are spread thin and that's why I think this call is so important, because the question becomes, how do we build a movement that allows us to respond to all the names that people don't know? So why, and I think it's a critical point, Angelo, I think it's critical because when Tamika was at um, Sabrina Fulton's event, I think it's still important. I know that you all are spread thin, you know, in the various organizations, but it's important to when you're in a specific city that you don't lift up the names of just the elitists, but you lift up the names of people across the nation so that their names will be learned too. Because again, as Nikki has shared, that people begin to think it's isolated. If you don't sure. lift up the names, we know over a thousand people are killed by law enforcement every single year, but you continuously hear the same names over and over and over again. I'd like to, um, I'd like to jump in on that. Um, yeah, I like it too. Wow. So when Tony was murdered in 2015, this was just months after Mike Brown's murder in Ferguson. Um, and we were furious at the lack of coverage that he was getting in comparison. And because of this, I personally made critical mistakes in handling of this case. And I think that we fail to realize that the stronghold of racism is so deeply embedded into the fabric of this country that we, they make us be selective about who we choose to champion as rallying cries. My nephew's murder had just the right amount of doubt to employ an army of ignorance that would inevitably take away from his case. And that's the, that's the problem. We're not angry enough, in my opinion. We're not, and that, that's why we choose, We have to choose and pick who we choose to champion for rallying cries. We have grossly underestimated the, the stronghold of racism. It's so deeply embedded. We're talking about a half a millennium, 500 years of this being really into work and us just now realizing that we have to stay angry about it. And I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just want to um, see if we we'll move this conversation forward a little bit, but I want to see if we can agree to two things. Number one, the system that we live under is not, it's, it's here to oppress us. So they're not here to free us. That's yes, number one. Number two, we, the we that we've been waiting for. So I think when we get a mindset that understands that these people who select some certain people to be on CNN and all that stuff is because that's the way they want to roll per se, right? And, and, the, and the second thing they know, ain't nobody going to check them. Who's going to check them? So we, so we need to put our energy in the right place you know, maybe picking a, a small thing that all of us, we can do as a national movement, you know, and do it regionally and as well as locally. 
because yeah, they, they ain't nobody, ain't, you know, they gonna do what they gonna do, but what we gonna do? I can I speak to that? Can I speak to that, please? So so what I would say is it, you know, um when our loved ones die or get killed, we are in a <laughs> these parents are in a tunnel. We don't know who coming for us, who trying to uh build up build up their uh their character or make their uh platform big or or anything. You know, so a lot of times all we want is just justice. That's all I want. You know what I'm saying? Uh, sadly, Mike laid on the ground for four and a half hours. People not paying attention to what I'm saying. And there's so many cameras that was out there that picked up that, right? So the community was furious off that. Furious off that. I have no control over that. The community was furious. So other people were coming in. And yes, you know, uh I don't deal with the crumps and all that. You know, I, I was like I say, I was I was blinded with all that. You know, it's a lot of lawyers I don't deal with, you know. I done had crump across the, I done had crump choked out before. And I don't care about who like it, what I'm saying. I choked that man out for the disrespect. I'm not doing his job right, right? So when people say you got people that come and do these cases, they're coming. I call them police chasers. Ambulance chasers. I call them ambulance chasers. That's what it's you called. What I mean? yeah. So when people think that, oh, okay, they got all this media, that ain't what I wanted. I want my son back. I know I'm not going to get that. But, but Mike, then, tell but me that. In the, in the eyesore of keeping the movement going and, and letting people know what's going on in Missouri, which what been going on in Missouri? Right. That's what was big that happened in Missouri at that time. You know, people were able to see what was going on on this side of the world. Oh, you got time? Can I, uh, can I get in? Oh, can I get in? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, first, the fact that over a thousand plus folks are killed per year by the police, there's no way any so-called elected leader can be at every single one of them. That's just a fact. And Mike hit it on the money, uh, and our attorney did too. Some cases, like Ahmaud Aubrey case, the family fights for years, or, or we'll say for months, without nobody even knowing about the case, and then something bubbles to the top, and all of a sudden news show up. That happened to Breonna Taylor. That happened with Michael Brown. The city of Oakland caught on fire because the people were so riled up. So of course news came, but what about all those families that happen to have this happen and none of that stuff sh shows up? They feel like they're isolated. So what we have created, what th this is my hope behind this conversation and we can see the importance of this. We become our best helpers. And how do we do that? Right now, we have a conference that we put on every year where we invite families to come, ideally not to be in the fight, but to network among each other, to help heal each other, and then to help become consultants to those families that don't know what to do. So we become our best advocates when we build up the numbers in the United States of families that's already been impacted 
to be able to go to those families that are brand new to assist them. Now, the reality is this, like Mike talked about, he choked out attorney Crump, which is a reality. So when, a, when an attorney shows up like Al Sharpton or, or attorney Crump, right? That family, like Mike say, it just caught off guard because they just come. And of they, course, oh, you want justice, so you allow them in your space. But sometimes, and many times, they don't always navigate the terrain correctly according to your perspective, and it creates animosity and anger. And not, not only that, it creates pain, but it also, let me just finish, but it also creates disunity. You know what I'm saying? Because now people are pushing back on Mike, thinking that he's getting all this publicity because this son was killed, but Mike didn't have anything to do with it. George Floyd didn't have anything. George Floyd family didn't have nothing to do with that knee on his on George Floyd's neck or Brown and Taylor's case or Ahmaud Bradley's case. You know what I'm saying? Freddie Gate case. We could go on with the names, but this is all I want to say about this is that we have to build up a network of families like Marion that creates organizations that go to these families and work with them. That's how we that's how we solve that problem. No, no question. Okay. Um, I want to ask that yeah. as, a, as a whole, you all, um, you know, so we'll, we can all agree on this as well, too, that, right, as far as the police are concerned, every one of us had someone who was killed by the police, right, that wasn't held accountable. Would you not agree that when you have the case, like we all said, you got different cases where you might have people come from the community by the thousands, right? The community, though, my question is, what happens to my son? What happened to Miriam's son? What happened to Deanna's son? What happened to anybody else in the community? Right? They're not, they're not exempt. They're not exempt. So, what standard applies is that when it comes to accountability and justice, we're not seeking anything differently, last but not checked, than what they're supposed to be fighting for. Let me, to add, add, let, me, let me add something. I want to add this. Go ahead, um, What we were just talking about, uh, um, when my son was murdered, it was eight days before the Super Bowl that was here in Atlanta. And former Atlanta Mayor Keisha Bottom placed a dark cloud over this case. And they wanted to sweep it on the road. And after much pressure, they allowed this officer to resign. A 26-year veteran, overly aggressive, always been known to disobey order. That was in charge of the federal, federal task force that kept him off. My son was surrounded by four officers with weapons bound, not tasers. Weapons drawn, not tasers, a few feet from him, unarmed and surrounded because he was in his boxer shot. Son Kim was the only officer that shot. He said, thought when my son raised his hand, two given two conflicting commands, come out with your hand up uh, 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 and freeze, don't move. When he raised his hand to surrender after he complied, Son Kim shot him one time, blow the eye, blowing out his brain, saying he thought my son finger was a gun. All the stories of the other, when no other officer shoot. All the stories were inconsistent. One officer said he raised his right hand. Another officer said he raised both hands together. Another officer said he raised his right hand in the form of a gun. So in, in the beginning, I had to learn and catch up early that our skin folk ain't, ain't, ain't exactly kin folk. And that's why I was talking about with black leadership, because we got no support in Georgia, Georgia's Confederacy. So how, so how do we build the support then? Like, that's what I'm saying. If, if, if we don't we can, know, I, can I can I can I say something? Right real quick? We, have, we haven't got we haven't got 
support everybody. Thank here we are right now. The birthplace of Dr. Martin Luther King, Cradle of the Civil Rights Movement, and everybody think the blackest city in America, and everybody think that it's easy like that. We don't get support from black entertainment. We don't get support from black pastors, and they know the truth. We don't get support from black organizations. And I, I might, you might don't remember when you brought your, when you brought a whole, a lot of guys came down here, uh-huh. and, and, and we met downtown, and you hooked me, and I told you, I said, my brother, I need, I needed that. Real fast, I want Nikki to respond and then let Mike go next, please. Okay, so I just wanted to say, so for me, um, for me, when I see families like like yours, Mike Brown, um, I I feel bad for your family because I feel like you were exploited. People tried to exploit your son's murder. When I know that when my cousin was killed, all I wanted was justice. That was my my, when I woke up and I heard it, that was the only thing on my mind. When our attorney said, introduce me to the NAACP, what I told the president of the NAACP is, I will work with you if you gather up every local activist so that I can work with them. I was not willing to work with the the NAACP without local activists because I knew we couldn't do this alone. So I see families like yours and I see how they use you guys. And they're not focused on the real thing, on the thing that families want is justice. Like when our loved ones are killed, we don't care about TV coverage. We don't care about anything. We want justice. And I feel like sometimes it hinders justice when they exploit your cases that way. It hinders justice. Um, So for me, I feel like how do we get that support that if we do work with the NAACP or the ACLU or this or that, we need to tell them we need to work with the local activists that you're working with. Because the thing is, those local activists are gonna know the other families that were impacted. They're gonna know the other people that we need to connect with so that we don't feel alone. The thing is, is when we're working with the NAACP and the ACLU and all these organizations, now I love the ACLU, but my thing is, is they still will exploit you for what you are, for who you are and what your case is. Um, if you allow it. But I really do feel like we need to demand that when we work with these organizations or if if Al Sharpton comes to you, you need to say, can I get all the local families that were impacted and can we all be involved in this? This is not, the one thing I would tell everybody, this is not about my cousin. And even to this day, it's not. He's gone. The people I'm fighting for is the other victims of this man. And I Mm -hmm. think that we have to actually come together and we have to find the people. We have to say, what is our best, our best way of getting some type of support where we're at is by demanding that if I work with you, I need to work with the local people. Attorneys know local activists. So if you got a local attorney, that local attorney should know local activists. We have to add, we have to, Ask the people who know, because there are people who know. That's what I did. I asked what I didn't know, who I needed. I asked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I want I want to just say this. I ain't gonna be long. Uh, yeah, it's sad they exploited us, but they did build us a platform, right? So mm-hmm. with that platform, I like to travel around the country and help other families. Mm-hmm. So I do do that. You know what I'm saying? I, I do do that. Um, some of the I don't watch TV because or the news. Very depressing. We have real STL news in a in a in a little uh, station called VOP that's on uh, Facebook that I might see or something like that. And they cover stuff from city to city and stuff like that. But I don't watch the news, so a lot of times I don't know when these loved ones have been murdered or hurt. You know what I'm saying? Because I can't 
Mazzotti is terrible right now, you know, and it comes with the territory, right? So, uh, but if anyone on here needs me to use me, you can use me. <laughs> what you need, call me. That's what I'm here for. That's what we all are here for. But we, mm -hmm. we got to help. Mine's going to be really quick. Mine's going to be really quick. When Oscar was murdered, Al Sharpton showed up to L.A. And you know what we told him? We got the community. We don't need you. And he went back home. If you notice something about the state of California, Al Sharpton can't run to the state of California. The only reason why he got Stephon Clark's family is because Stephon Savante uh, uh, called him personally and asked him to come. Because Al Sharpton doesn't have the traction in the state of California like he does in other states. He don't come and uplift high profile cases. High profile cases in the state of California is uplifted by the community. So uh, yeah. how, do you build, how do you build the community to uplift these cases? That becomes the, 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 the golden answer, right? In the state of California, we know how we do it. And that's how we do it. Hey, but Uncle Bobby, you know, you know the momentum lead when the camera's gone. So it's just us. <laughs> yeah. Ain't no more community. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. We all we got. That's all we got. But we all really got. when the cameras leave, that's when they really start dragging you. That's when the state, the city, the state, everybody starts really slapping you upside the head because yeah. nobody's watching anymore. So now they can say, do whatever, treat you however. My sister's address was released to the whole city of Madison to the uh, and it got so bad that people were driving past her house uh revving up their engines and 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 they had the DA had to put her up into a hotel she had to leave her home because when the cameras turn off that's when the real abuse starts mm -hmm. so y'all we already got um this is good this is good so far uh, we are a little bit off topic but it's good I think sometimes like when we as a community are guiding into a conversation that needs to be had. We're supposed to have it, right? So I want to kind of just spin into a little bit. Um, we talked about community support and a little bit about, about accountability, right? And going to the DA's office um, and officers being indicted. But I think um, we're going to kind of shift it. I want to shift it a little bit. Um, I want to talk about community support because I feel like that is what the issue is when it comes to us not getting accountability and getting any kind of justice. Um, Y'all know that I'm in court right now. Well, I'm, I'm still, uh, we still in the fight. I'm just stay there. We, we, gonna, we gonna go in and claim it. We ain't gonna say what's going on this deal, but we claim it. I'm in the fight still, right? For justice for Xavier's case. I've been to court and I've had, um, in my case, people show up to court. We packed the courthouse, like 60 people in the courthouse, right? I've been to other cases, it might be 12 people in the courthouse. I've been to other cases, it might be me and other family in the courthouse. Why is that though? If, 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 if the system knows, almost like um, y'all watch mental here, y'all watch football, you watch basketball too. So y'all know if the, the opponent knows your play, they're gonna play upon that. Why as a community are we so separated and divided that we can't achieve any kind of gesture accountability? Or we can't just work on that goal to get that? What is it? Can I say something? Please. When when everything happened with Mike, there's so many people that were that, that are millionaires right now off of Michael. Mm -hmm. You know, um, sadly, sadly, you have some genuine people. You, you know, you have some, you have some genuine people. Um, it's hard to it's hard to pick through when you got so many scavengers around you. Mm -hmm. No man. Uh, yeah. And, and, and the biggest, well, and the biggest but, thing, 
the biggest thing is, you know, um, that's that's what the conversation was in the beginning. Like we have to be our own backbone. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? For each other. And, and I'm sorry, like uh, it's a lot of names that I don't know. And 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 it's it's crazy that me and my wife put on these events and she know these names by heart. And she like it it hurts her heart to even know these names to, in this type of way, though. Right. You know, it, it's just it, it's 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 depressing. You know. But it's our reality that our loved one has been murdered, you know, and we have to still stand up and do what we have to do, you know, through the pain, you know, we have to pick up that strength from from each other and keep it moving, you know. So, yeah, we have to we have to be. That's that's just my bottom point for, to answer your question. We have to be there for each other. When I'm sad, when the cameras are gone, people leave. That's right. If they something they can gain off you, they're gonna leave you. They're gonna leave. And you would look at this like, you know, mm-hmm. if this don't touch anyone's family, they're not human. Some of yeah. these people are human. <laughs> they, are out, they are out to get a dollar off your loved one. Yeah. But, but, but you know, when we talk about why the community is not um, um, coming together under this issue, you know, we can we can chalk it up to what we call cultural condition. That's right. That's right. Cultural conditioning. That's so right. We have to be in the process of as we're moving through this fight is um, detoxing our sanctified minds, our, our sanctified our black minds, and get back because I believe everything that we have we have done we can do, and so we don't need CNN be showing up. We don't need um, more trauma, black trauma porn. We don't need that. What we need is a movement where all of us are moving forward in some way to get the justice that we're looking for. And how do we build that as a community? I think- I, I can I can answer that. Yeah, I think what Uncle Bobby, what you were saying about, you know, building um, networking with families and getting and, and having relationship. So that's can, that's the key. Now listen to this, right? Uh, California is, well, as you know, Oakland specifically, but California as a statewide, that's all we have is coalitions and organizations and everybody. But what's really important is that we as impacted families sometimes can be overcritical of a, a particular organization or a leader of that organization for shouting out your loved one's name. And, and I could just cite one quick example, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but when Tamika was on stage and she shouted out, I forget exactly about police violence, she came up under attack because the the, the particular family thought that was a violation because we should have been on stage. Oh, the BNC I don't, can I, huh? Was it the BNC Awards? No, no, I, I forget the awards, but the attorney probably know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I, I'll say the name because, you know, I, I still love Samaria Rice, but she attacked her. Now, some say she was right for the attack, but in reality, all she did was put it out there to the world that police violence is real in this country. Not meaning to degrade or take away from Samaria by announcing her son's name, but telling the world that this is an issue. And so if we are overcritical of individuals that are really championing our cause, that causes them to clam up. And they're very careful about how they speak about police violence to the world. So we as people, we as impacted families first, must not attack those that are really trying to help us. Now, now, how do we build communities that lack 
the community organization structure that can actually help a family in that city. That's what Mike is talking about. All our fathers are intending to go to Jalen McKenzie's event on June the 10th in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, who is Jalen McKenzie? Not all of us even heard that name. Mm -hmm. But what we're gonna do is show up and support that family and make it known that this individual and this family have a right to justice. So we are trying to utilize our so-called cases and names to help this family that don't get that high profile vocal. You get what I'm saying? CNN is going to show up. It starts with us as a community. I think we it have starts to with us. Yeah, we have to utilize our own resources in order for us to even entertain um, the question of justice and accountability, we got to fix that found this crack foundation. Um, I'm new to this fight. Y'all know that. But like you said, we got Miriam on the call. We got Oscar. We got Mike Brown. We got people who have been fighting for years at a time. But from what I'm saying, it's like a hamster wheel. And we're, sometimes you're like on the same hamster wheel, just kind of like going like this. But it's time to like jump off and figure out what can we do collectively to actually begin to move. And what it is that we, the community, has to be strengthened. But across the board, we I read articles all day long about California and how they are trying to make some kind of progress because the community, they do stick together. That is the truth. But it's like, how can we cannot all be on fire and not in the same states because we're also fighting for the exact same thing? You know, I'm a Black woman. They can still jack me up right now. I'm, I'm still a Black person. Deanna, they in Florida. And I know it's hard down there. So it's like, you know, how do we begin to work together as a community so that it's a or Deanna, can you answer to that? Like, what do you think we have to do as far as community work to get it from like Florida to get it to California to Texas to New York? I always tell um, because we have a support group here in Tampa with impacted families, and I I tell them to show up, show up for themselves, show up for events, show up for uh, county commissioner meetings because you never know who's in the room. You never know who is in the room that will be able to help amplify and bring forth the necessary resources and change that you, you might be able to utilize. Um, and if you're not able to utilize it, then put it in your toolbox for the next person who may be able to utilize it. And um, in building community, I have found that because I, I was not one of those cases that were um, high profile, as they would say, or the elitist or anything. We we had a we had a a, a a case that was true to facts, were clear. Um, we had a, a story that was of a child who was doing what any other child would do, going to a school fair, and um, we had um, a commitment to our son that whatever it would look like that we would never stop fighting for him. So um, sometimes that's all it really takes is the perseverance and determination to never give up. Even though sometimes the water was turned off or the light bill was due. You know, we, we would determine that all of the resources we had was gonna go to this fight. And I'll just go back a little bit further. When we would travel, we would sometimes put an air mattress and sleep on the floor in someone's kitchen. About it, Deanna. Okay. <laughs> we just slept and, on a lot of floors. Right. Because we couldn't afford the hotel fee. But we knew getting to the next 
conference or the next event was was so important to be able to network and, and join a community, not only in Tampa, Florida, but in other cities and states. Because in essence, those were gonna be the people that was gonna be here for the long haul. Because like I told you, it took eight and a half years before we even got a trial because every step of the way was qualified immunity and appeals and appeals and appeals. There was two separate appeals that went to the Atlanta 11th Circuit Court. And we were successful, but in the end, Andrew's not here. Mm -hmm. He's not coming back, okay? We set legal precedents for a case that would come after Andrew. So that's pretty good. That yeah. It's helpful. But it's and, still not. But it's still, it doesn't help me for, you know, yeah. for as my son, a remedy for my son. It was a moral victory um, all the same. But uh, in building community, that's what it took. It took showing up. Great sacrifice. I think part of that too, what I'm learning um, throughout the fight is that people who, that's what I'm saying, I, I don't know how we can, because I, like I said, this question still stands, how do we, the same fire and passion that we all have on this call about our love, how do you really to adapt that same fire and passion? Granted, it's not necessarily your loved one who it happened to. It can happen to your loved one. So, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, it's almost like when people got, uh, people go out and get car insurance, right? You get car insurance, you get health insurance, you get life insurance. That's preventative care for what may happen to you, right? They all get it. You can take out your check. You don't even use it sometimes, right? So we don't even wear glasses. You got, you take, you pay the odds after, right? So it's kind of like the same aspect of the thing. Why is the community not understanding that you have to do preventative care, preventative methods so that it will not happen to you? Why are they on fire? Like we're on fire. How do Look, you? You are. Latoya, if I may, Latoya, yeah. you're doing the right thing. Uh, if if I can, Latoya, you're doing the right thing because you've opened up an airway for families to come on to not only speak about their loss, but also to put in ears of those in their community that it's okay to talk about it. And by you giving it, you see, so really you have created a platform that is really new, but yet powerful. And 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 all you and I think um I think it was um who said it? It was uh Roxanne said, I think you said that this is not to the swift, but it's to who endures. This platform that you'd have created five or six years from now, it could be a, sadly if police keep going. It could be 150 mm -hmm. to 200 people on this Zoom meeting right now. You, you get what I'm saying? Deanna is a good example. Deanna is a good example of no one knowing about her son, but they being persistent. They never looked at it as a short race. And because they kept talking, they begin to build a network. They begin right. to engage the community. They created a network within their community that now supports them and embrace them. But not only that, has begun to embrace other families in that community that has created organizations in that community, but it's, it's taken, like she said, 10 years. So, I mean, that's the reality. I mean, for me, and Latoya, one thing that I think is, it's kind of like racism. What we're dealing with is somewhat like racism. We're dealing with years and years of this. 
being accepted and people not questioning what the police are doing, but what did that person do? You got to think we have how many how many police shows do we do we have on television that people are watching loyally where they think when they're sleep at night, police are out there saving our lives like there's police chases and bombs that we don't ever know about because the police are out there stopping crime while we're asleep. People we have we're fighting the media. We're fighting people putting out this perception that that police are these heroes. And we got communities who truly believe this. Like you got people talking about blue lives matter. I'm sorry, there is no such thing, but these people are willing to put this out there because they believe in the police so much that when someone is killed, someone unarmed, not dangerous, not a threat is murdered. They say, but what did he do? But right. what did she do? Because yeah. in their mind, because of the perception that the media, the movies, the the Hollywood, everyone is putting out their polices, they're heroes. These people are out there risking their lives. Probably 1% of the police department actually risked their lives in their career. My father-in-law was a police officer for 32 years and never had to pull his weapon in 32 years. So my thing is less than 1% of the police officers are out here risking their lives. They're putting our lives at risk more than their lives are at risk. So. We're fighting, a we're fighting communities of people who have hundreds of years of this Systemic thought that oppression. police are out there doing good. So we have to expose that their perception of police. But you got to think police are still police are pushing this narrative. Um, um, our politicians are pushing this narrative. Everybody's pushing this narrative that police are out there saving our lives. Like they're out there and they're the people that we need to trust the most. So we're fighting, everybody's fighting against us. It's racism. It's I systemic of, racism that we're I fighting. I think one against. of the other issues is, is we as a people do not address our youth enough. Um, when I was in the streets, because I'm, I'm young, y'all. I'm young. I'm not a mother. I'm an auntie. And my, my nephew was six years younger than me. He was raised as my little brother. So when I'm in the streets, I'm really in the streets. And I remember doing protest after protest after George Floyd. And there was a little shorty and he was sitting on the Capitol stoops. And he would sit out there every day and roll up and smoke his blunt and watch us. And I came over to him one time and I asked him, I said, why don't you march with us, man? Why, why do you sit here, but you don't step in? He said, because we hear you, but y'all ain't talking to us. And yeah, and it, and it struck me because he wasn't wrong. When we go out and we want to fuel them up, when we want to, we're not directly in our communities, in the disenfranchised communities. We're not directly in the communities where they can't take off of work and make it to these protests. They can't afford to. And so we want them to be riled up and it, it becomes this issue of we're not addressing the systemic oppression that prevents us from even being able to do what we need to do for our communities. We have so many families that are blue collar working class families. And I've heard it so often, 
They can't afford to take off of work and come to a protest. They can't afford to lose their job. They can't afford to be seen in a setting that their, their higher ups might, might have them in HR about. And, and we know that it could be for any reason. And there's a certain level of protection that we don't offer to our people. And, it's, and, and I think it piggybacks off of what Deanna was saying, because we have this idea about the police, about law enforcement, about the system that is supposed to work against us. And so many of us don't realize how fixed against us it, it is. It ain't broken, it's fixed. And so we've got these youth who don't see a future, because they don't see their lives going past 25 years old. And that is a real fact. We got these 18-year-olds that don't even know that you you hold every bit of power. And I think as, as adults, we become so consumed forgetting that they're about to take it, all of it. And I think there's a disconnect between the adults and the youth. It's nice to go to different communities and protest, but at the end of the day, adults ain't gonna be able to do it. They're not gonna be able to carry the torch. It's these YouTubers that have hundreds of thousands of followers and making money that these are the platforms that we need to be able to step into because that's where we're excelling at. That's where black folks are, are excelling at. We are excelling in the arts, the artistry of being able to talk to you and, and, and have a platform to stand on so that the youth will listen. That's my opinion. I wanna to touch on something Mike said. Mike, when Mike Brown said, uh, uh, and when he said you got a bunch of savages out there, you know, down here in Georgia, it's like, uh, it's running wild. And I'm not just talking about the youth. I'm talking about activists and, and advocates and organizations looking to take advantage of the vulnerabilities of the families. Because some of these families in Georgia, there's about 20 families in Georgia that don't have a lot of love on the police brutality. And people are lurking and, and, and looking to take advantage, uh, uh, you know, because this system not designed to hear our cries of pain. And you have, uh, uh, it's just like, I, I, I think about white supremacists, but I don't too much worry because I know they're going to do any and everything necessary. But then when I tend to drop my guard down, we continue to be our own worst enemy within. That's what, this, to me, that's what destroying us. Because what is unity? We scream unity, but what is unity without accountability? Where is accountability without trust? If if I could add this, uh, hold on, real fast, Roxanne's been waiting and jumping. I, I go really fast. I go, I go really fast. Uh, attorney has been he been waiting patiently with his hand up, and then we'll uh, let you uh, talk. No, after Uncle Bobby, I go. Uncle Bobby, okay. 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 Yeah, just so so that you know, right? Mike, when he said there's millionaires. See, the system by design creates the disunity. And we got to be clear about that. If we did a test case study on what happened in Ferguson, right? All of us activists and everybody in this world ran to Ferguson. The system by design dropped billions of dollars in there, that community to various organizations no, that no. became a fight for no. those funds and a complete disarray of even understanding what they was getting the money for. And many of them, as Mike said, pulled out of Ferguson and never returned with a bank full of money. Now, we the ones that's got to stop becoming suckers to white supremacy and its trickery. We're the ones that's got to stop allowing those that exploit us to come into our lives to do it. Mm -hmm. As long as we allow them to come in and do that, we're going to stay a disarray. So these are some of the things that we have to be conscious of. If, if Virginia gets hip to how to organize, 
the system by design is going to influence some of those organizers to pull away <laughs> by giving them money mm -hmm. to the police against you. Yeah. That's right. You're right. right. But I, you know, and I, I'm sorry, Angelo, I, I, I have to jump in. But it is important, Uncle Bobby, that when these organizations and some on this call, when you get large sums of money, we need to make certain that we're sharing the wealth amongst ourselves because the perception can be out there that some are getting money, but what are they doing with it to help, you know, the, the, the impact the families. How do, we, how do it? How do it free us? How do we get us justice? Right, right. So we can eat. We can eat a steak for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. But at the end of the, did we get any justice? And did we get any freer? <laughs> I just wanted to say I, that I just, I just read something. I just read something that my organization got millions. Uh -huh. Mike, Mike, real fast. I want, I want Angela. He's just waiting to go. <laughs> can I, can I just say this real quick, and I'll be fast. <laughs> And it's and it's and it's and 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 since this happened, we've been in the community out our pocket. You know, I'm not saying that we didn't get anything off the settlement, but my dad, eight other siblings. You know what I'm saying? So we do have to take care of our family. You know what I mean? But as far as like what is noted, is two organizations. Leslie has hers, and I have mine. You know, and I read something saying that Mike Brown has hit told Black Lives Matter or something like that, which I did, but we didn't receive anything, you know, and the perception what people read, they will read that and they will take that in, you know what I'm saying? And you have to have, you have to have these conversations so people can understand yeah. that you're doing this through funding or doing, uh, <laughs> selling plates, whatever, you know, yeah. make this thing happen, you know, so yeah, some people are some people are uh targeted that way. So I just yeah. want to say that. All right. Go, Go ahead, ahead Angela. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say that, you know, listening to everything that's being said and you know, from doing the work, things are very the issue is complex, right? The issue is very complex. And Uncle Bobby was talking about California, but particularly Oakland, and how because of in Oakland, people can't just come in as they choose. There's infrastructure that exists that prevents that from happening. There is organ, there's partnership and coalitions that prevent that from happening. But when I hear Oakland, I'm thinking about the Black Panther Party for self-defense. So, you know, there's a, a tremendously long history of people organizing in this community and movement building in this community that even though they may not have been there when that happens, there was a groundwork laid that created the space for that kind of organizing to happen. There's probably tons of leaders that were in position to organize the community. When I look at what happened in Ferguson, and even now when you look at what happened in Louisville, when we went on the ground, the same thing happens. Tons of money dropped into a particular community. And initially what that causes, a tremendous amount of infighting. And while that infighting is happening, you know what happens? There's a bunch of organizers in Louisville who were murdered. Right. And people, right. oh, I don't know how this happened. This happened. And if you look at what happened with the Panthers and in Oakland and across the movement, there was COINTELPRO. Exactly. The government infiltrated the movement and created divisiveness in the movement. And some of that was through money. Some of that was through organizations. Some of that was through agent provocateurs. 
They have a very sophisticated approach to dismantle us. Mm -hmm. anytime, anytime there's a moment that happens where we do get visibility and we're able to create attention, it's a moment where we can transform the system. It's the moment when we can actually, I always say it all the time, you have to build a system to confront the system. Mm -hmm. There's no way around it. Those are moments when we can actually come together to build a system, but usually what happens is it makes us even more fractured and mm. it sets us back even further, right? But these are moments, and even when you look at what happened after Ahmaud Aubrey, when cities across the country were protesting and families across the country were raising the names of individuals who had been murdered by police, it was a huge moment, and I believe for the most part, it was useful when we began to create a broader movement and invite people into the struggle. That's what has to really happen. We have to invite more people in every community into this fight. Yeah. And people have to really be in the work day in, day out. In Louisville, Kentucky, just for an example, the sister who was the attorney for Breonna Taylor, she's now the president of the National Bar Association. The sister right. who was leading the movement to change the legislation. They were trying to ban no-knock warrants and they did it in Louisville, Kentucky, which is the reason why Breonna Taylor was murdered. She's now on the city council. A sister who was an organizer on the front lines is now the judge that replaced the judge who signed the no-knock warrant in Louisville. They put the right people in, in, in power. Mm -hmm. Well, you recognize that the community already has the answers. Mm -hmm. And then you strategically place people who are at the front line and position to transform the existing system locally. Mm -hmm. And you keep fighting, which is why we like Daniel Cameron can't be the governor. Right? And as that movement grows and builds in Louisville and throughout Kentucky, that movement now can spread in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. And I, I think part of the answer is too is just uh, also like, let, like once the movement spreads, like Uncle Bobby said too, how you got in California. We got to think of some kind of way of having some kind of like mock uh, something as far as how other states can use the exact same, you know, that, that same ways we can go in and move and spread about the exact same way. Because it can be done in California, it can be done in Kentucky, it can be done everywhere else. And it's like, you know, how can we don't have that exact same power as we go in order to get the exact same results so we can find accountability and justice? Um, yeah, we got about 10 minutes up in this call. Can I say something real, real quick? Go ahead. In, in, in history, Brother Angelo might know this. I know Uncle Bobby do, but in history, I never heard of this. But the prosecutor of my case was the, the prosecutor, the judge, and the jury. Oh. In the history, I never heard of this. I never heard of this. And this guy disappeared. He's not a, well, his wife left him. His, his kids don't mess with him no more. I heard he's not an officer. But he's still in Missouri somewhere. Mm. But he's hiding. But I'm like, if you didn't do anything wrong, why are you hiding? But, hiding. But, but 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 what I'm getting at is, is that we elected Wesley Bell, which was on the council of Ferguson at the time. And we elected him to be the next prosecutor. And he came in, made promises, and did not do a thorough investigation to reopen the case. You know, mm. so. We have to be careful who we put in our and who's not scared. That's right. That's who's right. Not scared. Yeah. And our right. thing has always been, we're going to get you in the office, but we're going to vet you when you're in there.
and hold them accountable. Okay. And, and hold on, one thing that, when you're in that there. Roxanne, Marion, and me can probably count to is in Maryland. That's a major issue because we will have these people out here marching with us, sitting in hearings with us, and they get their asses in office. And guess what they do? Status quo. They get that money. They see that fo that fraternal order of police money, and they okay. willing to shut us down to keep See, getting that check that... and move to the next level. So my That's thing that. is, is you can try to get the right people in place, but you still at the mercy of that almighty dollar. Like they That's they right, will fall for that almighty. Yeah, but that's I'm say, that happens is because we don't own our political system. Mm. So what happens once you see police violence? The first thing we always talk about it, we say protest, politics, policy. So after you protest, you say, how do we get elected officials in office? Then you say, we want these elected officials to change policy. But what you learn in that process is elected officials get bought and sold like DAs. That's right. And you realize yeah. the other issue, it's not just police violence, yeah. police corruption is as a result of political corruption. Yeah. And then you realize we got to control the police, but we also have to control the political apparatus. So part of what we are experiencing as a people is really helping us. And this is what people always say. We need community control of everything. We just mm -hmm. don't have it. But once you see police violence running rampant and then you start to say, let me get into this political game and let me get into this policy game. What it makes you realize is you need community control there, too. And the yes. individuals who are on the front lines, the individuals who have had a loved one murdered, sometimes we got to step into those positions. Yes. Right? Here in Wisconsin. Because that becomes community control, right? And yep. that's Mr. Shaw, uh, Nicole Bell it ran for political office in, in New York. Yusef Salam of the Central Park Five is running for city council in Harlem right now. And that's the kind of thing that needs to happen. The individuals... Who are, we always say those closest to the problems are closest to the solutions. The That's individuals right. who've experienced the trauma and the pain are now also the individuals who have to be in positions of power, right? And we still need to hold them accountable, but we know they're going to go into those, those positions with a different kind of thinking and a different kind of responsibility. And that's, in fact, the kind of leadership we need. What if every individual who was a family member of someone who was killed by police immediately ran for political office. Man, just to send the message around the country. Yeah, absolutely. Just to send the message around the country and to raise the visibility of every name. Yeah. We could do that. We so, could do that. So you're absolutely right. Um, here in, right, here yes. in Wisconsin, my community actually voted for me to be the next DA because no one's run against our DA for five years now. Um, he's had no competition whatsoever. And just as a, as a gag, they, they wrote me into the ballots. Um, of course, I didn't get it. But uh, to piggyback off what you were saying, community control is absolutely necessary. And to even go further, what if everybody whose uh, uh, relative was killed, they took a portion of their money and put them through law school? See, my mother, she's poured over the books. She's poured over statues. She's poured over all of this. And she found one that allows community control back over the RDA system. I don't think y'all heard me. It's a 968.02 subdivision three here in Wisconsin. It's a statute that says that if the DA refuses to do his job, any citizen, any citizen can bring it before a judge. And that, that judge can then decide whether or not he'd like, to, he'd like to go with the trial. Now, one of the things that they tried to do with here in Wisconsin, just really quick, is they tried to make us have a trial 
to have to prove prove reasonable doubt. Um, and it's been unheard of. And when we found this law, we truly believe that it, it exists in every state and we are going to find it. This is the mission that we're on. We're going to find it because there are laws out there. There are statutes that will allow us to put the power back in our hands because we ha it's written right into our into our into our thing. It's written right into us. Like if you just our said, government guys, is not performing to the to the, what the people it. want, we have right. to take the power back. That is so, our law, our God-given American right. You brought us to where it's time for us to exercise the law, the laws, bylaws, and statutes that you demand we live under. That's right. That's right. So, you guys, just real fast, wrap it up. Um, we're gonna. I don't want to waste too much time. Um, I do want to go around with this real fast, just briefly. If y'all can just maybe spend about thirty seconds. Um, I want because we this as always a really good conversation. Um, as far as what we kind of did off a little bit, but it's conversations that are needed to be had, it right. Um, I feel like the community, and like I said, I'm, I'm what new to the fight or not, the community is broken when it comes to foundation wise, as far as how we're going to move forward. And these conversations are needed to be had it to know how we peel the layers back or to move forward. When you have um, people like in the uh, uh, state, when they have different laws that they're peeling back and knowing about different DAs, we got to share that. Uncle Bobby said they have information as far as California is concerned about how to organize. We got to share the information or not. There is so much we can all learn from one another as communities, but we have to learn how to begin to work together and begin to network together. So just real fast going around the room before we hang up, I want everybody to say, you know, what, in, in all actuality, in a perfect land, what does just and accountability really mean to you? And how do we get to achieve that? Please, y'all, we had to be able to call for an hour and a half. So don't, don't give us like a paragraph or a half, please. Just about 30 seconds. What does justice and accountability mean to you? I'm gonna, we're gonna popcorn style around the room one more time again before we hang up. And what we're gonna do is this, what it means to us, let's community also know what it should mean to them as well. We are the impact of families, right? And I say, if I ask you a cup of water, don't hand me wine, hand me water, right? These are the needs that we have in order to be able to be successful. So I'll start off. Um, for me, as far as justice and accountability is concerned, it's not just about my son. It's about systematic change, right? Um, my husband's black. My brother's black. Got my nephews are they're black as well. I got some friends that are black too. Um, I want us to stop going through this as a society. How do we begin to work together as family or not? As far as making real systematic change, where it's not about just one case. It's getting justice to getting a paycheck. How do we get real systematic change? I don't want a tree. I don't want a plaque. I, 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 don't, want, I don't want things that, I could, that are like, just, you know, I can hold on to or not. How do we get real systematic change? And that's my question, you know, to begin to work with community or not as far as getting real justice and accountability. Roxanne, what does that mean to you? Well, um, I've just, um, just been really uh, I mean, inspired by all of the um, conversation this evening. But I think the brother who said, we need to build a system that's right. And that means using all the tools in the toolbox, not just voting, holding people accountable, voting their asses out of there if they ain't not doing what we need, what we need them to do, because we have that power. Yes, we do. And if we need to, if we need to run for office, then that's what we need to do. So leave no stone unturned. That's what, what justice looks like for me. And not, you know, just justice for my son, 
But if her son and her, his cousin and your brother gets justice, then I too get justice. Understanding as a community that we, we need to move together because we, we're more powerful when we, um, when we say, when we say, um, say things in the same voice. We're more powerful. All right, Mary, how about you? I think you guys have kind of hit the um, the nail on on the head. I think that it's going to require all of us. I um, earlier in the conversation, someone mentioned about we need to be screaming and, and hollering and getting loud. Because I would tell you, over my journey, you know, we used to be very we used to ask for change, and now you know we're learning from the folks that are new into this. You got to demand change. Mm -hmm. So accountability and justice to me is that stop growing this group, right? So, and that's, everybody has brought something different to this, to, to this conversation. So we all have, our, uh, have our ideals of what it will take. I think having coming together as a group, having a conversation and let's network off of one another and what we can do to bring this systemic change. Cause it's systemic. I think I put in, in the, in the chat, uh, Tim Scott running for Republican Party president gets on a gets on national TV and says there is no systemic issue racism it doesn't wow. exist any anymore and we yeah. all on this call know it because we have lived it right, right. so right. working together will um, I think is one of the key things Look, because see. we know how to um, save us right we are all right. we need and we are all we got. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Miriam. Oscar, what does justice and accountability mean to you? Um, <clears throat> first of all, um, I've been I've been learning a lot by by hearing everyone. But you know, uh, when when you when you guys talking about all the issues, the one thing that it comes to mind is um, you know the the root. Um, the only thing that comes to mind is is the the reason why 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 what wasn't that guy what was on that guy the officer why did he shoot a 15 year old skinny kid and that's the only thing so accountability for me and justice is is i i want to go to the um to me the root cause is is that individual what is it what was it in his heart and and and, and head that made him pull the trigger for uh, you know, uh, for to kill, to take a life, and um, and to my my concentration right now in, in my my all my thinking and my effort is like to find out uh, about how this this I call them criminals, okay? Because they took our kids. Mm -hmm. I, there's no other name. I call them criminals, okay? Right. Uh, okay. So so the uh, my uh, accountability for me is as as a uh, citizen to be able to penetrate that uh, the corrupt, the corrupt um, uh, broken system mm -hmm. by understanding exactly how, how, uh, how these animals, when they go to academy, the police academy, how are they trained? Mm -hmm. You know, and I would like to get in there, uh, like infiltrate or, or penetrate and, and know that to, to me, accountability is finding out what is, it make, what is it that makes these animals shoot our kids? Gotcha. As, as, as a Hispanic, uh, more Mexican than American, I bring a different perspective. Uh, and I'm not comparing Mexico with the United States because in Mexico there is racism, but uh, there is no white supremacy. 
Bechek, Bechek, listen to me very carefully and look at this. This phenomenon where the police are killing civilians, you can look at it, it does not exist in Mexico. Now you hear, you hear the cartel, the people in mafia are killing themselves, yes, every day and you turn on the TV and you see that. But police do not kill regular civilians, why? And the, the reason why is because when a police, before a police pulls a trigger to kill a civilian in any encounter, you know that police in his head, he knows that he's already done, his life is over. Not only his life, but maybe the following day, his, his family is gone. It's career, yeah. Yeah, it's career at the same time. So, absolutely. So, so they know that take a life is almost like taking, eye, you know, eye for eye. My question, my question is, in the United States, why, why did these criminals kill our children? Do they know beforehand that there will be no consequences because that's how they train? Yes, they, yes. This country was, uh, I, I'm, I, you know, my ancestors, you know, but, it, but this country was, was founded in violence and it's maintained by violence. That's uh, one of the major features of the systematic racism is violence. So, so the, you know, the politics, I don't understand because I'm, although it's been five years, but I'm, I'm in a way new. And I, I'm so thankful for this uh, conversation that we're having here today because I am taking it in. I, I, I don't speak much because I don't know much, but as I no, learn, you, you, you know, but as I learn and become educated, I will speak more. But I was just giving you that. Hold on, I'm, I'm sorry, real, real fast though, because we're trying to wrap this up, you guys, because we've only been in the call for a while. I want to pass it on to Uncle Bobby real fast. Yeah, well, that's, that's fast. justice and accountability to, you know, make them, uh, you know, find out why, why, why. Why are you killing kids? Fixed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uncle Bobby, I want to pass it to you, please. You're on mute. There you go. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Um, basically, our vision is a world where no one has the right to take the life of mm -hmm. another, be protected or insulated from the consequences of doing so by a system of structural racism, obfuscation, and propaganda. Mm -hmm. And Marion put in the chat, we're working in a system that no amount of training is going to fix. We are in total agreement with that. And that's where we all have to come to agreement that it's, it's ingrained cultural in the system of policing. And we have to really dismantle that sick culture that exists and bring in a whole new, uh, 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 a fair and just system that we all will have the right to real freedom, justice, and equality. Absolutely. Thank you, Uncle Bobby. Uh, Angelo, can you answer that point, please? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to do radical things, right? Because of the way the system exists now, it's by design. And Tupac said, we, we, not, we are not meant to survive because it's a setup. The system is set up in a way to prevent us from having justice, equity, right? So we have to do something radical to, to spin the system on its head, to reverse it so that way we begin to get it. And for me, it starts with a mindset set shift for us recognizing that community control is the answer. And when we say community control, what we're saying is we control it. 
You control it. Each and every one of us decides what happens, but the only way you really get community control is by seizing power. And one of the ways power gets seized is political. Because when we do become the individuals who make the decisions, whether it's the DA, whether it's the city council, whether it's the governor, the attorney general, not only can you make decisions about power, who gets prosecuted, who doesn't, you get to control the resources that we're already putting in the system. And we often say that we don't have money and our organizations don't have money, but the reality is we give so much money to the existing government and they spend it on whatever they want. And right now in Atlanta, they're spending ton, millions of dollars on Cop City that nobody wants, right? So they take the money that we're putting in to the existing system and use it for whatever we want. But when we begin to seize that political power, we decide what happens, political decisions, policy, and we get to control what happens with the money. The money that's our money that's going into the system, right? So we have to really change the way we think I think move to community control, which means we are in the positions to make decisions and we have to seize power and seize the resources to transform our community and the organizations on the front line doing the fight. All right, thank you, Angela, so much. Nikki? Um, for me, there really is no justice. I think when we lose our people and we are, are we, when they introduce us to the, um, to the, judicial system, we will never get justice. That's, that's how it is. Um, accountability for me, accountability would be um, us figuring out a way to avoid these, this situation, educating ourselves and educating our people to the point where, that for me, I feel like things won't change until we're able to use their laws to our advantage. They're not gonna, they're, until we can learn how to use the laws work. They work exactly how they're designed to work. They're just not meant to work for us. So once we figure out a way to make them work for us, they'll be willing to change them. They'll change all of them. Because the thing is, is at that point, we have control of our communities. As, as Angelo says, we have control. Once we understand the system that we live in and we're able to navigate it where, it, where, it's, where we are taking advantage of it, then they'll they'll be will then they're going to try to change it on us, mm -hmm. but we just have to make. I think educate for me. Accountability is education because we need to educate ourselves. We need to educate our community so that things can change. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Jimmy. What is Justin Campbell in India? Mr. Jimmy, you with us still? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, right. I, I know you said, yeah, for me, uh, I think, I don't think, I know everybody should be held accountable outside the movement or inside the movement. I think nobody should get a pass. I don't care who it That's is. That's right. Nobody. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of times, we all fall weak sometimes. And those who are strong got to bear with their permanence of those who are weak. And we need to learn how to lift up each other more. We need to learn how to reach out more, encourage each other more. Because like I said, it's designed to wear in place, wear and tell. So I'm going to leave with this right here. See, freedom, freedom is never given. Our freedom always has been won. And we must continue even through our sufferings, our struggles, our heartaches, our pain, our challenges of life, our struggles. We got to keep, we got to keep moving forward. If we fall down, we can get back up. And somebody, I asked someone the other day, I said, 
do you think we're going to win this fight? And she came with all these things. But for me, myself, I don't know how nobody else feels. I know we're going to win this fight. Damn right. Damn right. Damn right. The toy for you? What does it mean for you, Justin's accountability? Okay, is she there? Okay, I'll come back to her. Deanna, you want to answer for me too? Oh, there there you are, there you are. Yeah, I can hear you now, yeah. Okay, sorry, y'all. I didn't want to speak about accountability except for in its systemic implications. And I feel like it's really easy to picture what a world with accountability looks like. And it's literally every white affluent suburb in America. Um, piggybacking off what Angelo said, these communities basically control themselves and they choose to fund money into mental health and community programs, public services designed to deter crime. Um, and they don't deal with over-policing and, and discrimination. Um, just quickly in, in my county alone, we have a $340 million budget and only 6.1 million is going towards mental health and that includes an extra five million that they're putting towards police salaries um we have offices of accountability we have you know the the design for badge camps to come in and we have councils we have these things and they don't bring accountability accountability i, I believe just piggybacking off of what angelo said looks like us controlling ourselves it's community control truly i'm a true abolitionist i don't believe in police at all i don't even believe in the prison systems if i really want to take it there it's all designed against us um and really quick while i have the floor oscar you will learn more and we are here this is a community that's that right. was built off of love and support for that's everybody right. that going through this I want I didn't want to bat, bypass what you said I think is one of the most significant things that you said you will learn more and we won't you stop fighting for you that's right they are trained to kill children our children right. cannot run to them because harming us is fun to them mm-hmm. and, and so I just wanted to acknowledge you and to tell you that we love you and that we you are us. thank you thank you so much right. Deanna, you want to answer that first real fast, please? Yes, I'm going to do it real fast. Okay. Um, I, um, justice would mean that our loved ones would still be here. I would say that accountability um, is far-reaching unless we topple all systems that don't serve us. Yeah. Like the sister said, we have to abolish all these systems because they are not working for us, have not worked for us. And to think that when you get to a trial or whatnot, you think accountability is going to come and you're going to feel something from that. But then you realize that accountability still didn't measure up to anything compared to the ultimate loss and the betrayal mm-hmm. that you suffered. So um, it's a good question. It's something to bond upon. But um, justice and accountability, the pendulum for justice just keeps moving further and further back for us. Mm. Thank you, Deanna. All right, Mike, you want to go on and end this out? So I want to say I agree with everyone, you know, um, that said, you know, said that piece. But me personally, I feel like true justice can only be served 
if our children were still alive and uh, accountability, me personally, the eye for an eye. No, that's right, brother. All right, you guys. I just want to thank everybody um, for this. Has been great. Uh, we went over the time. Uh, we got a little bit off topic, but I think the conversation was much needed. Um, be on the lookout for the next um, town hall virtual session. I think we're going to talk about voting next because that's another important topic. We already discussed one here about how you know you get people in power and they don't do shit, right? And even the ones you put in power, they might not still do shit. So it's kind of like, you know, how do we have this conversation about one voting and then putting people in power? So I want to thank everybody tonight from the bottom of my heart uh, for joining us tonight. I really hope people who tuned in tonight, y'all learned something. Not only did you learn something, but please look, everyone who's standing up here, look their names up, share their stories, do the call of actions. We are a community, community of one. We got to all work together. Roxanne, you want to say anything before we close out? Just one again, thank once again, thanks to all of you for um, um, supporting and coming out and, and talking. And this is a much needed conversation. We're going to have some more of these conversations and we're going to get to the goal line together as a community. That's right, you all. Good night, you guys. Thank y'all so very much, y'all. Good night. Can I do a quick announcement before we go? Yeah. So we're talking about organizing. Tomorrow night, we have a Zoom call uh, that is called Building Bridges. And we make announcements about various activities that are taking place around the United States. And those of us that are on that call, that's where we go. And that's how we're starting to build this momentum to support those families that are isolated or thinking they're alone. So anyone that's on this call tonight that is not familiar with the Zoom call that we have tomorrow, uh, I definitely want to invite you to it. And I can share the Zoom link with you, LaToya, and then you can- And I'll share with everybody else. Absolutely, that'd be wonderful. Okay. Thank you. And good Absolutely. Uh, Y'all got anything else? Any more announcements? Any diversions coming up? Court dates? We good? I just want to say real quick. Uh, Go ahead, Angelo. Right there. Go ahead. First, I want to say uh, thank you, Latoya and Roxanne, for your leadership. This is so important. And um, to dovetail what Uncle Bobby said, I've been pulled in to do some work, and I mentioned this to Latoya, um, last year was the 50th anniversary of the first Black National Political Convention that happened in Gary, Indiana in 72. And Mayor Ross Baraka of Newark, New Jersey, and Mayor Chokwe Antar Lumumba of Jackson, Mississippi, have come together to try to host that again in October. Oh. So I've been working and pulling together folks who are organizing around the country. So I definitely want to make sure all of you folks are involved. Um, and Uncle Bobby, I'm gonna make sure I try to get yes. on that call. I mean, yes. that Zoom to kind of loop you in and pull those folks into it because I think that's kind of what we need. We need spaces where all of us are having a kind of all of us, yes. right? So, yes. right, right, right. So, like yes. I tell you all the time, and let's get it done. Let's do it. Let's get it done, you guys. So, and that's all we have for tonight, y'all. Be on the lookout for next yeah. week's guests. Oh, I think we have one more person. Who? Who? I, this, I can see. I make one announcement? Um, if any yes, of you please. can, if any of you can make it to Virginia, to Maryland, Maryland, um, in November, um, the trial for the officer that murdered my cousin, Michael Owen, his trial starts, um, the end of November, and I'll make sure everyone has the information for that. And we, if you, if you can make it here, come on for that trial. Right. We'll share it as well, Nikki. You know, send me the flyer. We'll share it as well, you guys. We gotta make sure we share information and. Make sure we're showing up for court. 
So um, if, I'm gonna try this one more time. So let's try this. I have one question. Oh, somebody gonna say something good, Angelo. I have a question after you, Angelo. This is just the last thing. If anyone or any family ever needs something posted, I try to use Until Freedom's platform to spread awareness about what's happening. So if yes, anyone ever has something that you need posted and that you want to create some visibility for, please reach out to me. We'll use our yep. platform to do that. So the event in November, anything that's happening, just let us know and we'll use our platform to do that. Awesome. Thank um, you. Uncle Bobby, um, uh, will there be a Families United for Justice? Sure. It, it, it is. It's going to be on the West Coast. We're just still waiting on our bids to determine where at in California. But yes, and all the families, I think all of you actually has been to the conference except for Oscar, maybe um, Jimmy Hill. I'm not sure if I know you or met you, uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure most of you actually been to the conference. But anyhow, yes, we I'm sorry, Marion, for going on with it. But we, we will have one this year. Yes. Okay. Uh, is there a date set for is there a date? Oh, yeah, the dates are set for September the 29th through October the 2nd. Okay, That's, thank you. Uh, Thursday the Sunday. So I might be off one day or two, but okay. it's September the 28th to October the 1st or something like that. Yeah. All right, thank you. And we'll be sure to tell you guys, um, I, I, I try my hardest to make sure we are sharing out everything as well on social media too. So be on the lookout for that as well, you all. All right, we're going to try this one more time, okay? okay? And if you got something else, don't even say it. Just text oh, it later on. Look, what you, Roxanne, like. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm counting you down, sis. I'm helping you count. Okay, come on. Like, come on. Going twice. <laughs> Going three times. <laughs> Angela, right, you all. Good night, you guys. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank Great you all. Call. Good night. Bye. Bye.